When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 240 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are talking about living with just enough, determining what your just enough is, and learning how to be happy with what's just right for you. It is human nature to pursue more, right? To reach the next level professionally, to own the next big quote-unquote thing. And while it's certainly well and good to create and reach for goals in life, the mindless pursuit of more leaves many of us depleted because it's a pursuit, because it requires constant energy that we could be placing on other things. And when we're always striving to attain the next big thing, we're effectively removing ourselves from the beauty of the present moment. So here with me today to talk about Just Enough Living is Tyler Moore. Tyler is a blogger and he is the brain behind the amazing Instagram page, Tidy Dad. Tyler, you and I virtually met as guests on another podcast, and I was so excited to meet a man in the organizing space. So tell us who you are, how you got into organizing, and what your platform's all about. I am Tyler Moore. I live with my wife and three daughters in New York City. We live in a 750-square-foot railroad-style apartment, and in many ways, we've been forced to confront the brutal reality of what it's like to live in a super small space with three kids who have growing and ever-evolving needs. And so I found myself in this tidying space because one, there aren't many male perspectives out there on what it looks like to tidy and organize and clean and help to maintain systems within a home. And so I thought it was really important to share not only my journey, but my wife's journey of how we're making this small space work, but telling the story through my perspective has really been an enjoyable and in many ways a cathartic process. And for me, as it is for many people, the tidying journey really exists on a lot of different levels, which I know we'll get into, that there is the physical tidying of a space, but then there's also the tangible tidying of our mental health and some of just the clutter that fills our minds and how we allocate time and resources in our given day. 
And so Tidy Dad does exist on a couple different levels. I am a dad who enjoys tidying physical spaces, but I'm also a dad who's been on a journey to tidy up my life in other ways too. I love that. I have to ask though, what came first? The small apartment? Like did the small apartment force you to get tidy or have you always just been a tidy organizing type of person and the smaller sized apartment didn't weigh in on at all? Yeah, I always had a natural inclination towards keeping my things tidy. I mean, even as a kid, I remember taking so much pride in opening my dresser drawers and knowing where everything was. And, you know, having a sense that when I walked into my room, everything was sort of in order. My wife and I, we've been married for 13 years now. We've always lived in small spaces. And then as our girls have gotten older, as they've gotten larger, as they take up more real estate in our apartment, that has really pushed our thinking on how do we keep things tidy? How do we develop systems? Because it's not as easy as it once was when it was just two of us. Now we have five people with ever-growing wants and needs. And so thinking about how we can maintain order, you know, there are times when it is a challenge, but it's something that I've always enjoyed and gravitated towards was sort of problem solving and figuring out how to best utilize space. I'm also a teacher. I teach seventh grade here in New York City. I have 31 students in my class. So when you think about 31 seventh graders in a classroom, some similar principles apply that there is a limited amount of space. At the end of the day, there is just security that kids get in knowing where their things are and how they can access the things that they need at any given time. And so there's so many parallels between teaching and home that we're really forced to confront. I love that parallel to teaching. I've mentioned to my listeners many, many, many times that I used to be a teacher. I used to teach eighth grade ELA. There's something to be said about routines and space within the classroom, and I definitely see that translating into the home as well. We're here today to talk about just enough living. What on earth is just enough to you? Where I really came to this realization that I wasn't pursuing just enough and I was pursuing more really came as a result of my personal tidying journey in our home. So I was one of those people that for years followed this super straight-lined trajectory. I was the kid that checked off all the boxes as I was moving through middle school and high school, as I transitioned into college and then into graduate school. I did everything that I thought everyone expected of me. That mentality then continued into my career. I started as a teacher. And then, as you know, you are in the teaching profession for a few years and the questions become, well, when are you going to move into school administration? When are you going to move out of the classroom? When are you going to pursue that next thing? And so when I started feeling those grumblings or or hearing those grumblings from people, I decided, let's do it. Let's move into school administration. And so I took a job that it did pay more, but with the more pay came more hours, more responsibility. And what I found was that that pursuit of more professionally actually took me away from the things that really mattered most. And the result of that sort of 
pursuing that very linear career path and wanting to pursue things that I thought would raise my sort of like esteem in the eyes of others was that I was left mentally, emotionally completely broken. And so I, um, in my early thirties had to take, I took leave from my job. I had to take a step back. It was when my daughter, my second daughter was about nine months old. And I was like, I need to step back and just reevaluate. Why am I pursuing all of the things that I am? My wife and I, we started tidying our physical space as a result of that, really focusing on, we now have these two girls in this small space. And I'm sure you're familiar with Marie Kondo's book, but she has this section in the back where she talks about how a lot of the people who complete their tidying journeys with their physical possessions come to these realizations. And I was very cynical when I started and I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. What is this realization? And as we finished sort of our tidying journey and bringing order to things and simplifying our lives, I got to the end and one day I turned to my wife and I was like, I am done being a school administrator. I do not like this job. It is actually taking me away from all of the things that I actually want to be doing and find important. This pursuit of more, more money, more positional power, where is it actually taking me? It's actually taking me away from things that matter. And that's when this idea of just enough came to mind because we had this conversation of what would it look like to really live with just enough? There is this pursuit of more that actually leaves you feeling more depleted in so many ways. And so for us, just enough right now for me as a dad, teaching is a great profession. It provides well for us monetarily. I'm able to have time off with my kids. I'm able to largely do my best during the day to work and then come home and not have all of the additional responsibilities because those aren't necessarily expected of me. But I've really had to quiet the back of my head, which is telling me more, 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 more. You need a bigger space. You need more physical possessions. You need more positional power at work and calming myself and saying, you know what, right now, what I have is truly just enough for my little growing family. That doesn't mean that I might not pursue opportunities as they come in the future, but it's being very present to not be on that hamster wheel that we can sometimes get on and feel like we have to just continue to pursue more and more and more. It's okay to stop and say, you know what, I have just enough right now and I can just take a pause and not feel like I have to pursue more and more and more. Mm -hmm. That speaks to my soul. You mentioned how the pursuit of more really left you completely exhausted, emotionally depleted. And I would just say to that, that yes, when we're always searching for the next big thing, we're trying to grab the next golden ring, that takes an awful lot of energy, right? So it would be no surprise then that you're just feeling exhausted. But I do have to ask you, you mentioned the voice in the back of your head that's always saying more, more, more. I think we all have that voice to some extent. The voice is louder in some of our heads (laughs) than others. But how do you quiet that voice? So I think I've really tried to work on being present in the moment and appreciating 
just those simple, joyful aspects of life. And one of the things that I'm really enjoying now is um, my oldest daughter goes to school at the same school where I teach. And so I remember it was a couple weeks into the school year. I had just this overwhelming feeling of joy as I left my classroom, walked outside. She's in the next building over, picked her up from school. She put on her helmet. She put on her scooter or she, she got on her scooter and we just scootered away. And I realized I don't have any professional teaching responsibilities for the rest of the evening until I return to school the next day. And there was this overwhelming sense of joy. The pain that I experienced years ago, that realization that I came to, that professionally I was feeling depleted and making the difficult decision to return to teaching, I'm actually now paying the dividends of that decision. And so oftentimes it's just in those simple moments that we have to remind ourselves to be present and just to enjoy the happiness that does come from that freedom of recognizing that I don't have to pursue more. I don't have to do what my neighbors are doing or what my friends are doing. I don't need those accomplishments because right now being able to just walk my daughter to and from school is one of the most joyful parts of my day. And I know that that would not be possible if I were continuing to be a school administrator. There's no way that you can leave when your contract hours are over, you can't just, you know, pick up your bag and walk out because there's so many needs that people have of you. So I do, I feel like it's just recognizing those small, bite-sized, simple, joyful moments of life that just remind me of that lesson of what it's like to have just enough. Mm. Your answer there makes me wonder whether the more more voice that we all have in the back of our heads whether that's actually our own voice or whether that's societal norms saying, nope, you can't be content because it's human nature. It's natural to compete and to try and grab that next golden ring, right? And so perhaps finding what is just enough for you versus what's just enough for me comes down to listening to our voice as opposed to those culturally ingrained norms that we tend to, or at least I tend to absorb unconsciously, unintentionally. We're going to continue this conversation after a quick word from this week's sponsor. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. 
Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we are back with Tyler Moore, Tidy Dad himself. We are talking about just enough living and how we can apply the concept of just enough to not only the quantity of items in our home, but also all aspects for greater health and well-being. So that brings me to an important question that I ask a lot of my guests, which is, what benefits have you seen? I know you've already touched on a couple, being able to enjoy the moment, no longer being mentally, emotionally, physically depleted, but are there any other benefits you have experienced by focusing on your just enough as opposed to the next big thing? Another benefit to living in this state of like just enough is that you are giving yourself a little bit of margin in order for the serendipitous things that can sometimes happen in life to just sort of manifest themselves. And so one of the things that as I was like sort of ending my the physical tidying journey of our space, I decided to go back to teaching, was actually sat down and wrote out a bucket list that you could call it, which was like, what are these actual, not just goals, but like joy-filled life experiences that I want to have that aren't just related to career, that aren't related to external affirmation. And one of the things that my wife and I actually put on our list as we were brainstorming together was this dream of owning a little cottage somewhere outside of the city. As you know, or may not know, but New York real estate is is crazy. Everybody is always left very unsatisfied with what they can buy. And one of our pursuits in the city was, this was when my first daughter was born. There are all of these things that you feel like you have to check off when you're a parent. And one of those big things is home ownership. And we were like, okay, we have our first daughter, like it's time for us to buy an apartment. And so even for us small space dwellers, the only thing that we could really find was a very overpriced, tiny one bedroom apartment. And we were like, how in the world do we do this? We put an offer down on the apartment. And it was one of those times where I didn't sleep for like days. And if you're not sleeping based on making a decision, oftentimes that tells you like it's the wrong decision. So we ended up, the offer was accepted, but I was like, I can't do this. So we actually pulled out, we retracted our offer and we just sat and we waited for several years. Um, 
And when I say the bucket list, like on our on our list was like, what would it look like for us to have a little retreat space for ourselves away from the city where we can use a little nest egg of money um, that we had saved? And we sat on that for a while. I was still working as a school administrator. But the other gift of returning to teaching was the gift of summers. And I can't underestimate the gift that summers are. And to know that I had a completely work-free summer was just a gift that you can put no monetary value on. And so because of that like margin and space that had been created, we were able to dream a little bit. We found the gem of a little cottage in very rural Pennsylvania. We decided to um, put an offer on it. It was accepted. And we've been able to turn that into our little like retreat space for our family. That again, that never probably would have materialized if we had remained on that track that we were on. When you were talking about that like quieting of that voice in your head, that's what I've had to learn to do because there's so many messages, as you were talking about, that we're fed about you need to have the bigger space, you need to have more, more, more. It has just been such a gift and a joy to have that like mental space to sort of think and breathe and not feel like I have to constantly figure out what's coming next. Yes, it's mental space, absolutely. But it's it's also something else. I'm thinking back to the major decisions I've ever made in my life. And when I'm always on that hamster wheel of go, 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 next thing, I'm leaving no space, no time for those serendipitous and really important life-changing um, course changes, I guess is the best way you can put it, to occur because I'm so focused on the hamster wheel. Yeah, I think that I think that, that makes so much sense. And I'm learning that even the best of things, I have to set boundaries and limits around. And so like even for us, how do we navigate when the world is our oyster, but yet we still want to feel like grounded and balanced and have just enough? And so it's a reminder that even in the best of things, even in with your hobbies, you know, or passions or interests, there is still that need to set some boundaries, to give yourself some space, to establish what is just enough. It goes back to the fundamentals of like organizing your space. When you think about tidying your closet and choosing for yourself what items you want to keep versus what items you want to move out, that idea of honing your decision-making process is something that the tidying process taught me. And it relates to exactly what you're talking about. It is, it's being very tuned into yourself as to why you're saying yes to the things that you are, but then trusting and believing in the power of saying no. And it's really leaning into like, why are you saying no, whether it be business opportunities, whether it be deciding to keep something in your house or not, whether it's deciding like whether you're going to overschedule yourself or your kids or just say no to the constant sort of stream of information coming in. I feel like the more we say, the more we allow ourselves to say no, but then step back and process 
why did I just say no there, that that's where the true power is. And so that's something that I am constantly learning. I do feel like that decision-making process is so incredibly important. You know, it's almost as though decluttering is really just a metaphor for becoming intentional in all aspects, right? Like, when you decide which sweaters, I'm wearing a sweater, so we'll use that example. When we you decide which sweaters you're going to keep versus which ones you're going to let go, it's very similar to deciding which obligations you're going to say yes to versus the ones you're going to say no to. There's a lot of power in saying no. It's active as opposed to being passive and just letting the closet fill with sweaters or letting the schedule fill with stuff that doesn't serve you. Yeah, no, it is. And and it reminds me because what people often ask is, well, is your home always tidy? Like, is everything always put away? And what I always say is no, because life happens like at home, but I am able to put things back in a much quicker way or more efficient way than I did before I tidied. And the idea is, is that this tidying process, it's like a cycle. We're always moving in this cycle where we have really great tidy moments and then we'll have a relapse. But the idea is that we're never back at the true starting point. And I feel that with my life. Like when I think about this straight line career trajectory. When I then had this like early 30s crisis, even now I have my very untidy dad moments, but I'm never back where I started. And I have to give myself the forgiveness of like reminding myself, I'm still on this linear path of like evolving and learning and growing and setting boundaries and naming for myself what truly matters and is important. But I'm not back where I once was when I first started. And so I think that I may be tidy dad on Instagram, but I have far from a perfect tidy life. But what I do feel like I have is more of what you were talking about, of that metacognitive awareness of what brings joy, what doesn't. What boundaries do I need to set with physical possessions or with my life? And where can I give myself a little bit more leeway or freedom? So I do feel like we're ever evolving. It's a constant state of tidying or like bringing order to the things in our life. But we're on this ever evolving upward sort of trajectory, if that makes sense. Yes. Ascending, if you will. (laughs) Ascending. Yes, that's much better. (laughs) Well, for any listeners who want to find their just enough, what would you say is their step one? So for me, I think step one is being able to name what's really important for you. What is like the vision that you have for your home or your space or the feeling that you want to have? And that idea of casting a vision or having a feeling about a space can also be applied to other aspects of your life. If you can really name what's important to you, you can then start to break down what might be getting in the way of that. And for example, the tangible example is like my job as a school administrator. What was really important to me is 
honestly, from my profession is to be able to provide for my family, to have joy at work, like to look forward to going to work every day. And I did not want to feel the Sunday blues. Having the Sunday blues was something that I never wanted to experience again. And so I then made a list of the types of work that I enjoyed and the types of work that I didn't. And the majority of the work that I did not enjoy um, fell into the bucket of school administrator. And all of the things that I loved about being in a school fell into that category of being a teacher. And so that's what clarified things for me, was being able to name what truly is important. What is that vision of what it is that I want from whatever it may be? And then start to tangibly name some of what I just mentioned of whether it be types of work, things that you enjoy doing, but just giving yourself that space to process, I think is really important. Yes. I know that in practice, it can be really hard to live an intentional life every single day. But what I love about your response there is that it is as simple as identifying what's important and then setting up your priorities so that what's important gets the lion's share of your attention. So I love that. Tell my listeners where they can find you and your amazing Instagram reels and your blog online. (laughs) Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at tidy dad, and then you can find me online at the tidydad.com. Well, I will link to all of you in this week's show notes. But Tyler, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. That's a wrap, listeners. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tyler Moore, a.k.a. Tidy Dad. I have linked to him as well as everything else we talked about in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 240. I'm keeping it short and sweet this week, and I'm just going to say I'll see you on Thursday. Take care.